This is the voice, Michael Shirello. You're listening to the MM Maniacs podcast. You're listening to the MM Maniacs with Nick David and Matt Kona. Well, we're live on the official International Fight Week wrap-up show, the Monday after, I guess. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, animals of all varieties. Welcome to the Emma Maniacs podcast. There's there's so much to talk about, the fights, the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony, the fact that the UFC is... uh, being sold um has been sold so i have nothing really to add about that except it's something that we knew was coming for a long time i would have to be more skilled in contract law and it's really kind of a wait and see type of thing what are they going to do or be there a place that manages sports leagues around the world in europe cricket mls uh, not mls but some of the soccer leagues and uh, also so they do NFL production their video production There's they work with actors and performers in the entertainment industry so uh, and apparently they've been working with the UFC in some small capacity for some years but the WME all, all these groups that I guess you wouldn't know unless you read Forbes magazine or really knew about the ins and outs of the behind the scenes production world i don't really know anything about them or uh i don't really know anything about the the deal other than uh dana white is supposedly staying on board the fertitas are giving up the majority of their shares although they're keeping some i heard and remaining around in some capacity although lorenzo is giving up uh the title of ceo and um yeah, basically they're just keeping a percentage and st- still getting paid a little bit occasionally in the same way that the previous regime, regime I think, had some things. But again, this is stuff that the average fan doesn't necessarily know on a day-to-day basis because you're it's just a, how the sausage is made. But it's, it's certainly worth noting since it was just announced after a tremendous, huge weekend of money making for the UFC. It was a $10 million gate, just live gate alone for the UFC 200 event. So never mind merchandise, the entire international fight week, the fan expo, all this. I mean, they went out on the highest note. Yeah, right. (laughs) Definitely their, their biggest weekend ever. I'm sure. Yeah. And it was all planned. I mean, this was, there were whisperings about this, for the past few weeks, and and of course, the UFC, especially in this day and age, is very cognizant of controlling how information leaves and who well, they don't. Puts they don't seem out. to be very, very good at it. <laughs> what they do is well, really, something something leaks, and then Dana White just denies it, like bald faced lies about it for three days, and then they go, "Okay, I guess that's really what was happening." Uh, yeah, but but that's. That's been the case throughout his history of the UFC, but it's only like the last few years where 
social media has played such a big part in how fans are getting information and uh, well they've been very strategic about it and of course since the infamous Helwani situation uh, they've they've been pretty much in control of what uh, media has come out. That is until journalist Nick David wrote <laughs> the uh, Anderson Silva story. Well, which, uh, I was uh, I was given the information directly uh, from a person that I'm I know personally, and uh, who's a friend of mine, and is also a manager of several fighters in the UFC, and who told me that. Dana White told him directly, take that for what it's worth. Uh, I heard it from him before I saw it anywhere else. Uh, I guess from what I heard, uh, there was another website called Kombach, I believe. Which, Combate, yeah. Yeah, which is Portuguese. It's pronounced Kombach. It's spelled like that in Portuguese, but I imagine. I think it's a Portuguese website. I don't know anything about it. I, I think it's a Brazilian website. Uh I believe. Um, I might be wrong. Have you gone to the website? Well, I saw the... I, when I got the text from you, the first place I went to was bloodyelbow.com. And, okay. And it, it the first thing it said was Dana White denies Anderson Silva rumor. It, his text message said, Kombach is wrong. So that's why I texted you back. And you know, we had to... Because... The only reason the spotlight is on journalism so much is after the Helwani breaking the Lesnar news ahead of 199's UFC promo to announce it to, as a big surprise. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about what is a journalist, was what Ariel did unethical, and I mean he did everything. He did his due diligence. He, he had two sources. He confirmed the story. There was nothing unethical except the UFC being angry that they weren't the ones to surprise the fans with it but right. uh, except Ariel Hawani is a real journalist I don't consider myself a real journalist but I well right but I'm just saying that's why the spotlight has been put on real journalists because if you have, you have to have two stories to corroborate right. it because if one person says no then all you have is rumor and conjecture so right. that's why I was, I was giving I gave Nick a little back and forth <laughs> shit uh, over text message because nobody else had reported it. And Dana White said it was reported immediately after Thursday's main events. Dos Anjos uh, losing the lightweight title to Eddie Alvarez, which we'll get into more of later. But it, it was it was strategically announced, tweeted officially by Dana uh, Dana White after. So does not to take anything away from that night's fight card in a week that was already turned upside down by John Jones having to pull out. Of course, that's who uh, Silva ultimately replaced in. Right. Uh, and a he fight was. That there's uh, way more to as, talk about. As much as Silva says that he that he uh, is not in it for the money, isn't doing it for the money. He was the second highest paid athlete on that card <laughs> at six hundred. Right, of at, at six hundred thousand dollars. Uh, versus yes. versus uh, Brock Lesnar's two point five million. Yeah, uh, true. So those are the so, two the uh, two big, biggest paydays. But there were a lot of six figure paydays uh, on that card, uh, and I, I, I'm very happy to see fighters really be getting what they deserve. Uh, and, and even more than that, I mean, I, I know that there's behind the scenes stuff. I know that I know that they're making money 
other ways and there's all kind of you know backdoor deals and i know that the i know that the ufc because of their their private ownership status they can pay their employees however they see fit and they don't have to report it to the public and so because of that they bonus their athletes in a private manner so they're making more money i don't know how much more if somebody's making $100,000 for a fight are they making another $10,000 as a bonus or are they making another $300,000 you I, you just don't know you have no idea what the actual amount is that they're getting paid but i i have a feeling that it's much much more than what they report that they're that they're uh, uh spending on their athletes because you see people that are that are you look at their paychecks on their normal fights and you're going okay well he he made he made ninety thousand dollars there forty five thousand with a forty five thousand dollar win and he's doing you know three fights a year so he's making maybe uh, maybe two hundred thousand dollars a year and then he has to spend probably. 60,000 of that on his management and his training and his so but then you look at you see some of these like behind the scenes thing and see how some of these people live and they have some nice houses and some nice cars and some uh, some nice clothes and it leads me to believe that there's a lot more money being made than what it actually says and I'm glad for that I, I think I think these guys are the best athletes in the world. I think, uh, you know, I've said it before. I think mixed martial artists are the best athletes in the world, and they should be making money that far exceeds those of uh, guys that uh, hit a ball and then run around in a circle. So, uh, a diamond. A diamond. Oh, sorry, diamond. Yeah, sorry. Come on. A come diamond. On. Sorry. It's like Bellator baseball, Nick. Sorry, it's Bellator baseball. There's six bases. There's Bellator baseball. There's six bases. At one base, there's a hot dog stand. Uh, so in you order to, you have to, you have to climb through. You have to, you have to do a round of miniature golf to get to the from the fourth to the fifth base. And I got it. Okay. So, so I'm diamond. just summing up Nick's uh, Nick's financial. Uh, uh, so what you're saying is that you don't consider. Bellator fighters to be athletes because they run around in a circle. I think I got that. I think I got that, <laughs> Nick. I got it. I got it. Nick David, MMAniacs blast Bellator for running around in a circle. That's what you're saying. Just kidding. <laughs> it's going to be a headline somewhere. Clickbait. That's how we Clickbait. sell this. Clickbait. Perfect. See, uh, my, my whole problem with you breaking the news was that we didn't have a podcast to to bait and switch people to, to listen to as a result. It was just a pill uh, yeah, to get some was, Facebook likes. Yeah. yeah. But regardless, we, there's plenty to talk about, so let's just start with Thursday. Um, I I, wa- I watched most of the card. I, I work. The problem is that I had to work 11-hour days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so my sleep suffered a, a bit, but I tried to watch as much fighting as I could uh, when I could, starting with Thursday's record seven submission fight card fight card 90 Crazy, right? exclusively on fight pass uh yeah a lot of a lot of young um fighters put on a show to try to steal the spotlight this weekend and then they may have overall it was the best fight card of the weekend i feel like there was a lot of somewhat boring fights on the tough finale although the main event was outstanding joanna yinjinjik mm. successfully defending her Strawweight title against Claudia Gadelia in the Ultimate Fighter finale. 
main event. Um, the finale women's fight was good. The men's fight was more of a lay and pray contest, which there would be some varying degrees of throughout the weekend, most noticeably Cormier Silva. Yeah. To some degree, Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt, although I feel like to call it lay and pray really didn't do it justice because although Brock was uh, not posturing up with his strikes, that's still a big toaster-sized hand. I mm. don't care how far away it's hitting you. Well, I, uh, but, uh, leading, leading up to this... Leading up to this, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, leading up to this, I watched the uh, Lesnar-Couture fight, and when he beat Couture, he was literally, they were all like four-inch punches, and they were all like 30 of them in succession. Bung, 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 bung. It was like a whack-a-mole, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they were all like right on his head, and, and, and the ref stepped in to stop the fight from just these, I mean, they were literally three to four inches away from his head, just rapid succession, but you're getting hit with a fucking mailbox yeah, three, four yeah, inches away exactly. from your head, a lead-filled mailbox. <laughs> so Yeah, and Mark Hunt is a tough guy, and uh, he really he's is. not a comfortable position with him. I mean, the, it, it was brought up, I think, by Brian Stan in the post-fight show, but uh, Brock essentially just drowned him on the ground. He was just suffocating him with his head and trapping his leg. And could t- he could have tried to improve position, but he was better holding his leg down and so Hunt couldn't get back up because not only is he tough to get on the ground, he's tough to hold there. And I think Brock Lesnar did a tremendous job. Just to skip way ahead to the UFC 200, but I want to <laughs> go back to uh, just saying overall Thursday's fight card what could have been the most entertaining, and it was a very surprising co-main event, which I did see live. I I got home from uh, comedy stuff to watch the co-main event and the main event, uh, and Derek Lewis just pouring it on Roy Nelson. Talk mm. about resilient shins. That was a that was some hard hitting from Derek Lewis, who is still pretty. Uh, not a very good defensive fighter. Couldn't fight off underhooks. Got taken down at will, but yeah, pretty much got up every he, uh, all seven times immediately. Right. But. He's not. He doesn't have any kind of real ground game, but he does have a lot of explosiveness uh, when he's on the bottom, and so he's used that explosiveness and uh, to get back to his feet, which is where he can do all the damage. He's not gonna. He's not slapping on arm bars or throwing up triangles. You know, he just wants to get up off the ground. But having said that, he doesn't have... They they talked about him... Uh, Brian Stan said that he had some sort of ground game. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. So I don't know what ground game he's talking about. I've never seen him work from his back. I've never seen his guard. I don't know... I don't know if he has any submission wins. I'd have to look at his record. I don't think he has any submission wins. I think all his... I think his wins are by either knockout or decision. Um... Well, Gonzaga was with him on the ground a little bit at their fight in uh, Croatia. Uh, not for long, but right, he's very able to, limited what we've seen. But I don't. I, I, I'd have to go back and look at that fight. But I don't think. Uh, I I don't think that Gonzaga was in his guard at all. I think he was. I think his guard was easily passed is the point that I'm trying to make is nobody, nobody's, yeah, yeah. he hasn't held anybody in there, his guard. Everyone that he's gone to the ground with has easily passed his guard and gotten to side control. But once in side control, people have had a hard time keeping him down. 
and uh, I know what it's like rolling with guys that are that big that are very difficult to keep on the ground. I have a lot of, I have, I'm heavy guy, and I know how to put my, I know how to use my weight properly, and, and in order to keep guys down. But there are, uh, there are guys that it doesn't matter how well I can use my weight, even in side control in a super dominant position, there are guys that can just explode up out of me having side control on him. So I think he's one of those guys that can just really kind of, uh, you know, go to superhuman mode and just explode up out of it. Um, yeah, and, and he did he did what he could. He almost knocked out Nelson in the final seconds of that with an uppercut that just smashed his head back. That was gnarly. That was gnarly. I was – so I, I – I, I, uh, so I watched the fights live and then, uh, I listened to the fight companion, which, uh, with Joe Rogan and Joey Diaz and they were, they were both going, did he just lose a tooth? Both of them were going, both of them thought that he lost a tooth. They're like, I think he just yeah. lost a fucking tooth. I think he, I think a tooth just came out and they had to watch the replay to see that it was, that it was slobber. And then, yeah. uh, and then Joe Rogan said, "Well, there you go. That's an actual slobber knocker right there. Yeah, <laughs> there is the actual definition of slobber knocker. He just knocked yeah. slobber right out of his face. So, yeah, uh, there was an instance of slobber knocking elsewhere over the weekend. I forget which fight it was ex- exactly, but uh, I think it was." Maybe the tough finale. Anyway, it's so um, hard when there's this many fights. What what, what did we watch over the well, course you, of three days? Forty fights, close yeah. to forty fights in three days. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a I lot. I still haven't seen them all. I went back and watched some uh, early Sunday. I still haven't watched the fight pass prelims for uh, the tough finale, and there's a few. On the Dosanios card that I haven't seen yet, but I, I did go back and see, of course, Joe Duffy's uh, w- under sub minute 36, 34 second choke out victory, rear naked choke of uh, Mitch Clark, which uh, was very impressive. Yes. And, uh, and the whole main card well, was real exciting, of course. Um, of course, the main event, which looked like a video game to me, Eddie Alvarez. Uh, oh, we should also mention we didn't. Not, and most people we assume saw it, but Derek Lewis defeated Warren Nelson by split decision right. in uh, going to a decision for the first time in his career. It was actually surprisingly Roy Nelson's third career decision and also his third straight decision. Uh, yeah, I didn't agree with the decision. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm in the minority or not, but I was not. I, I felt like Roy Nelson won that fight. Uh, I feel like it was. I feel like it was. There was. I have to go back and watch it again now. As I said, <laughs> so many fights there was, but I felt like there was one round that was clearly, uh, clearly uh, Nelson, and there was one round that. Uh, sorry, there was one round that was uh, clearly Lewis. And then there was that was there the was, first round, right? There, so the first round was clearly Lewis, and then there was one round that was very clearly Nelson, uh, and then I think there was one round that that was close, but it, I felt it was Nelson. So, well, which I think that's that's probably why it was a split decision. It's a close third round that could have gone either way, and one judge saw it one way, and two judges saw it the other way. So, could have just have easily been. 
two judges saw it one way and one judge saw it another way. It's just uh, that's just the unfortunate reality of the fight game when you get something that's that close. And it's and it's a it's another reason why I think it's uh, I, I think the judges need to be implored uh, to be a little more heavy-handed with ten eight rounds. Uh, I, 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 I think when you, there are certain, there are certain rounds where you see a three round fight and you see the first round fighter A beats fighter B very convincingly. And then you see the second round where fighter B beats fighter A not really convincingly. They just, that guy got some takedowns and he got in a couple more shots. So, and then the third round fighter A again uh, 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 wins, or, or so, so the third round fighter B wins convincingly. So now we have a round A, the, round one, fighter A wins convincingly, round two, fighter B, who knows? Okay. Yeah, all right. I, I've confused uh, myself. You're right. I've confused well, myself. I've confused well, myself. The point a is, fighter B. The, first of all, wait, let me time out. Let me go ahead. <laughs> Basically contradicted what your whole argument was. You thought that Roy Nelson would, but I feel like it's only if you're a judge scoring takedowns. He took him down seven times. It was on top of him for four minutes total, but significant strikes were something like 57 to 7 in favor of Lewis. So it's like, is it a fight or if you're... Right, so I'm saying, I'm saying as the rules stand... I felt like it should have gone that way. If there, if the, if the, if the, the rules were based in where someone so much more convincingly wins a round, they should be getting a ten eight. There, there was a there was a fight recently that you and I were watching together, and I wish I could remember what it was, but it was when I was over your house, and it was a fight where uh, there should have been a ten eight round, and it would have made the fight a draw. If there was a 10-8 round, but because there wasn't, fighter A won the fight because he won two rounds, but fighter B won one round very convincingly, like better than the other guy won the other two rounds. In any case, I, I, I just feel like irrespective of the fight, I'm not talking specifically about that fight. I just, it's a generalization. I think. Uh, ref should be more heavy-handed in handing out 10-8 rounds. And I, wh- what I really think, what I would really like to see, and this is just a pie-in-the-sky thing, I, I, I would like to have, I'd like to take all of the guesswork out of it and assign everything a point and then have people that are responsible for recording the points. Every every significant left hand that sh- lands is uh, this guy's responsibility. Every significant right hand that lands is this guy's responsibility to record. Every significant left kick that lands is this guy's responsibility to record. You get 10, 10 people. Listen, listen. So there's 10 or I'm 12. Listening. There's 10 or 12 criteria. Everybody writes down the scores and then you add up the scores at the end and that way it takes all of the it takes every uh, all of the personal uh the, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. All the personal judgment out of it. Like somebody thinks that one guy, one judge thinks that 
strikes are more important. One guy thinks that takedowns are more important. One guy thinks that control, top control is more important. One guy thinks that octagon control is more important. There needs to be a, a much more, you can't have these rounds where one judge is going, all right, it's 30-27 to fighter A, and then the other two judges are going, it's 29-28 to fighter B. It's like, where the, what the fuck fight is, is judge, judge number one looking at? Where he's giving fighter A a 30-27, and the other two judges are giving fighter B a 29-28. How is, how is, how is that the same fight? That can't even be the same fight. They're two completely different scores. They are. You've okay. seen it. This you've is, seen you know, it. This is too far down the rabbit hole. Okay. Anyways. Specific examples. I it's feel. just, it's uh, just, it's just, uh, some things that I'd like to see cleaned up in mixed martial arts. I, I think it's too difficult to determine what makes a strike significant for every case because some people take punches better than others. Right, but some there's fight metrics. Comp- there's fight metrics. If they just use fight metrics and then they expand... Yeah, but that's not official, you know. It, but it, they enough. expand on fight metrics. They expand on fight metrics. They go, okay, fight metrics plus, plus here's the nine submission attempts that... Uh, Fighter A took, and then here's the uh, the nine takedowns that the other guy got, but he also had four other takedown attempts. So we're going to give him a half a point for that. We're going to give him two points for takedowns, and it's just it's just it's just scored, just like a submission grappling event is scored. So when a or ref- like boxing is scored, so you could have guys like Floyd Mayweather outpointing you the whole time, or. Playing it too safe. See, I feel like there's already there's too many subtle nuances that are imperfect, and it will never be perfect. If we will go overly statistic, there are ways to exploit it with with numbers. Some people, uh, it's they're seeing it. There's three judges seeing it from a different angle of the octagon. They're not watching through a computer. They're just seeing it from that. So there's things that they're missing. There's things that uh, they're not at the best angle for. Incredi- incredibly. Uh, anyway, there, there were many instances in the main events on Tough. Joanna Yanjidchik got two 10-8 rounds in round four and round five in that fight after losing the first. So she lost the first two rounds and then had a 10-9 round three and kind of pulled away as Gadelia guessed. The, the Cormier Anderson Silva fight, all three judges gave 10-8 rounds to Cormier, I never. Uh, there wasn't too much, and I, I could see through the whole weekend that I would consider to be major judging flaws or spotlights on things. Uh, certainly, the only one that I had any immediate reaction to was I could see if you why the judge who if if you're the type of judge that scores takedowns. More importantly than significant strikes, I can see that why Roy Nelson won that fight. But after watching, especially the first round and how Lewis ended the third round, uh, he beat the shit out of Roy Nelson. If you're thinking a, a fight should be who beat the shit out of the opponent more than 10, nine, 10 times out of 10, it was Derek Lewis winning that fight. But, uh, that's how I saw. I bet money on Roy Nelson and lost, but mm. uh, I bet money on other fights this weekend and uh, came out pretty good. 
So um, I didn't I bet any. Fight. I didn't bet any money on any any fights this weekend. But my <laughs> my UFC 200 started off incredible. I had eight for eight the first eight fights, and then the last. What is it? Twelve? Yeah. So it's the last four fights. I only got one out of the last four. So I ended up with nine out of twelve. So well, I still, who, who are your picks? We know your fantasy stats. Who uh, did you pick in the main card? Say. Uh, so my main right, so card you picks. Your boy Kane Velasquez. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, of course, I picked Kane Velasquez. Um, I I picked uh, I picked Miller. I picked Lozon. Um. I okay. Do the whole, so do the whole card. Oh, oh, so just the main card. Okay, so the main card I picked Hunt. Um I I picked Tate. Uh I I originally I picked Silva uh and then I changed it. I changed it to Cormier because I knew that it's just too much. He's just too much. He's just gonna Two days Two days. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I'm I, I'm the I'm the never bet against Anderson Silva guy. I I don't if you if you put Brock Lesnar and a bear and a fucking uh, uh, tank in there uh, and a shark <laughs> and a, and a, and a shark and a, tank and a, and a yeah if you put those all in the ring. I'm still voting for Anderson Silva, but I, I had to go with Cormier on this one because it was just. It was too much, and I, yeah. and I, it was, it was after my, my, I was doing so well in the card, and I was like, all right, I got, I, I'm, I'm gonna try and go for a perfect card, and I felt really comfortable with the rest of my picks, um, and so I, it was, uh, it was, Tate was the one I lost, and, and, uh, and then Hunt was the one I lost, and then the other one was, uh, I have to go look at the. Did you pick Aldo Edgar? I did. I picked Edgar. Yeah, yeah. That was what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. I picked Edgar in that one, and. But you uh, only got Velasquez for the main card. Yep. No, no, no. I got Velasquez and Cormier. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me get into my rant about the Cormier Anderson Silva fight and the fact that it happened. It's basically the most. WWE shit of the card besides <laughs> even including than, oh, Brock Lesnar. Over, no, over, no. over Brock Lesnar? <laughs> Absolutely, because this was just, it's, they had to do something because this, this is the guy, this is one half of the main event that was destroyed with John Jones' USADA violation. So this guy had been training for months for this. He, he hasn't fought since Alexander Gustafsson at, what was that, UFC uh, 190, no, I think it was 188 or 191. No, no, excuse me, it was 192 because Demetrius Johnson fought on the undercard. Hadn't fought since UFC 192. Supposed to fight John Jones at 197, was injured and had to be replaced by OSP. And now two days before the biggest fight night, fight card in UFC history, weekend in combat sports history, his opponent fucks up, as he predicted, which 
was on that promo yeah, that yeah. they aired. Yeah, they, that was pretty it was pretty funny when he when they played it back and he's like, he's going to fuck up. That's what he does. That's his MO. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was God, tweeted immediately it was tweeted immediately after by Jones's manager just a tweet that just said wow right after that promo because that promo was created just to be like listen we apologize in advance for this this squash match this basically Daniel Cormier Versus an Uber driver. This is a guy who's been training to fight. An Uber driver. <laughs> Jesus <what> Christ. <laughs> Anderson Silva looked like an Uber driver. He was just, I know he's Anderson He was Silva, a little pudgy. He was a little pudgy. I've never seen him that pudgy. But, Having said but that, guy who just, listen, Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva fucking cracked him a few times. <laughs> cracked him. And if that was a stand-up fight, if there were no takedowns in that fight, Anderson Silva would have knocked the fucking shit out of him. So, well, I'm just my point is that it's it's a match that was basically just for the UFC fans who are traveling there to say they saw one a, a one time one of the greatest of all time fighters in UFC history and mixed martial arts history live on UFC's biggest event. And it right. was the clo- it was the closest thing to to uh, uh, a WWE WrestleMania type match where <laughs> ten years past their prime, Hulk Hogan comes back and <laughs> and becomes a tag team champ. He's not in the main events anymore, but the fans are still psyched that he's there. They know he's not the same as when he was a kid, but hey, they're just happy to see him there. They. His, his corner was picking him up after that he, it's a 30-26 unanimous decision. <laughs> uh, no, that was a like, little weird. Come on. <laughs> was that like, was a little bit strange. So my, I mean, listen, I like, I, it's, it's kind of cool in a fantasy booking way that, that got to happen. But was I amped up or excited for the fight? No, no, I wasn't. It was just, I, it would only would have been interesting if Corbier had been knocked out, and then what the fuck happens? Does Silva then get a title shot rematch on a full camp? That, then it, you're going down more bizarre holes. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing that we're going to see video clips of before the next Daniel Cormier match. Him beating up uh, two days off the couch, Anderson Silva, Still recovering from gallbladder surgery, which he got <laughs> immediately Christ. after UFC 198. What the, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just the why did they? This guy is an Olympic athlete, an elite champion athlete, training for the best, and they don't put they don't move Gegard Mousasi up. And the thing that also pissed me off is. It wasn't for the title. It was at light heavyweight, but it right. wasn't for the title. So it's what the fuck is that shit? <laughs> yeah, not not that he deserved the title shot, but it's the fucking UFC 200. You want to? I'm sure there's a lot. I'm sure there's a number of light heavyweights that felt snubbed by that. But you yeah, know, Gegard Mousasi, he was on the card yeah. already. He said in his post fight that they were. He was told he would get it. But uh, it, it just—they didn't want to risk it. They didn't want the UFC everything to be completely turned upside down right. after the weekend if something happens. That is the—that is something that any future opponent of Daniel Cormier 
can rightfully call him out in in their shit in whatever shit talking they want to do. This is a guy that was afraid to defend his title against the guy two days off the couch, forty five years old. No, that's 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 not how it, that's not how it played out. It was Silva that didn't want to go five rounds. I, I think that uh, if if you ask Daniel, Cor- I, I mean, I'm sure that it was it was it was, it was according according to again now it's according to Dana White. Uh, according to Dana White, what did your source say? Yeah, Nick? I mean, <laughs> what does my source say? Silva doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go five rounds. I, I mean, what do you? Uh, that seems strange to me that a guy would be fighting a champion and say, "I'll fight a champion, but it can't be for his belt," which would give a, a everything a that everything that I've heard. Uh, I heard it from Joe Rogan. I heard it from uh, Dana White. And I think, uh, I think Joe Rogan mentioned it during the, the event as well, that it was Anderson Silva's decision to not go five rounds. And I'm pretty sure if you go back and watch that fight, if you wa- if you listen to the afterwards, Joe Rogan mentions it, uh, that it was all, uh, uh, Anderson Silva's decision. He didn't want to fight five rounds. He didn't have it in him to come off the fucking couch and do five rounds. And they the and actually 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 here here it is this is here it is here. Uh, I also remember hearing it at the post fight press conference where the interviewer asked Anderson Silva, uh, you know, why he wanted to do only three rounds, and he said because uh, he didn't feel like he could could hang could hang on. It was something to that extent. I don't know the exact question versus but it was it was a question centered around the amount of rounds and his decision to not go five rounds uh so if you go back and watch the post fight press conference it's addressed there as well so it was on him that he didn't want to go five rounds and it was also there was another uh decision that was uh they they asked they asked uh, him to to go at a catch weight of 210 and he wouldn't agree to that which is smart that's uh that's smart you're not going to give uh cormier you're not going to let him off the fucking hook uh because he came in at 198 um yeah uh, oh yeah no i mean that makes sense with the catch weight yeah you don't want to give him oh yeah you, you don't want you want you want him to you want him to have to suffer as much as he has to suffer in order to drop that other five pounds so whatever whatever wear and tear that his body has to take in order to cut that other five pounds uh, Anderson Silva wants to make sure that he has to go through that in order to get the to, in, or, in order to exploit that little bit of an edge for him. So, but listen to what you just said, though. You just said that Daniel Cormier proposed that they fight a catch weight of two hundred and ten pounds. That means that in Cormier's head, there's no way he's defending the belt. So, there you have it. Well, I think that was I think it was uh, it was after that the that the three rounds was discussed. So I think the three rounds was on the table, and then Cormier was like, "All right, well, if it's a three-round fight, can we do it at two ten? So I don't have to worry about the the but last that, the last five hours of having to cut weight." Okay, this is a uh, useless. It was a terrible fight. It was a stupid, <laughs> fun thing for the fans, and nothing more. It's just going to be a weird footnote to me in the careers of both men and on the very final Zufa card in UFC history. Uh, will it's, the Zufa you know logo what? be at the end of this Wednesday's fight? 
Should we skip ahead? Because I have to leave pretty soon, about 15 minutes at least. Uh, I have to be on the on the move. But, um, I mean, there's much more we could talk about. Uh, what are your... Is it even on your radar after three straight nights of fights that, oh, wow, four days later, there's a new card and it's the UFC's debut in Sioux, Fall, Sioux City, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's uh, not the biggest card in the world, but there's a couple of exciting fights on it, headlined by uh, McDonald Lineker and featuring Tony Ferguson fighting some guy. Uh, that's such a, that's the, that's the, uh, I was very excited to see, uh, that fight. Uh, yes. I thought, I think Sweet. Michael Chiesa and Tony Ferguson are two scary, scary motherfuckers. And I don't think anybody is, is very excited to see either of those guys looking across the ring at them. So, uh, I thought that was such a good fight. I was really stoked to see that fight. So I'm super bummed that Chiesa had to pull out, um, the rest of the card, uh, I'm not that familiar with. So, um, forgive me while I look it up here. I mean, are you, are you even going to, I'm just saying, I'm not saying like how excited are you for every fight on the card, but that after three straight days of some of the best fights, the most loaded up three days in UFC history with all these previous champions and bonus winners and, yeah, well, that's like asking stars. me if that's like asking me if I w went out to a three Michelin star restaurant and had the most amazing gourmet meal I've ever had, and then three days later I went to McDonald's, and you're like, "Are you excited to go to McDonald's?" No, not hey, really. Hey. Uh, am I going to eat it? Yeah, I'm hungry, and I'll probably eat it because I have to eat. But I'm not super excited about it. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, I, I think that any fight after UFC 200 is going to be, uh, is not going to live up to that standard. That was the craziest fucking card. So aside from the weird match between Anderson Silva and Daniel Cormier, that was the most stacked card that's ever happened. Every fighter I knew other uh, other than the guy that Shage Northcutt fought, who was lucky as fuck to get on UFC 200 because he had one fight in the UFC, and then his second fight in the UFC, he was in on UFC 200. Other than him, I knew every uh, fighter he on was that card. A past veteran, I huh? watched his season of the UFC Latin America season two. Okay, semifinalist. Uh, uh, okay, well, I, I didn't, I missed that. Uh, <laughs> My point being, aside from him, I knew every single fighter on that card. I knew every fighter. There wasn't a one fighter on that card that I didn't know, recognize, and hadn't seen them fight. Uh, so, in, in that respect, it was the most... And the two, for me, uh, even, even looking back on it, I, I love the fights, but the two fights, the two most exciting fights to me... One of them was on the fight pass card, and the other one was the first fight of the main card. Um, so the the two most exciting fights to me were Kane, Travis Brown. That was the fight I was most looking forward to. And the other fight I was most looking forward to was Joe Lozon versus Diego Sanchez. Uh, 
And, and just to be able to say that, that those were the out of the fucking stacked card out of the main event, co-main event, other title fight implications, uh, other title fight that was on the card, that that was the most, those were the most uh, interesting fights to me. To be able to say that just speaks volumes about the card itself. So the next card after that is going to be, it's going to be hard to live yeah. up to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, what did you think of the main event? The uh, the uh, Tate versus Nunez. That was pretty exciting. I mean, as long as it lasted. If you're talking about the most exciting fights being first round knockouts, uh, you listed two. Maybe it's the. Is it the fact that they were the most exciting there? to me? I'm I'm saying they were the most exciting to me before they happened. Mm-hmm. I'm saying afterwards, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed watching the fights. I liked the results. Uh, for me, before this the fight... This is not the UFC 200 preview show, Nick. Tell me your thoughts on the No, what I'm, the this fight. is what I'm trying to explain to you, is that the fact that the two fights that were the most exciting to me before having seen them were the first one was on the fight pass prelims. I heard that. I got okay. you. I know so I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that... In retrospect, after watching the entire card, that that was the most exciting fight to me. That was the most exciting fight to me before I saw it. That's what I'm trying to say. Am I making any sense to you? Am I getting okay, through, sure. I getting through okay, Matt Connor? Gotcha, but that is very good to know. Thank you, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, okay, it's I feel like you're not getting what I'm trying to say. The point that I'm okay. trying to make is okay, that, yes, the, 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 that the card was so fucking stacked. That's how excited that I, the, the, the fights that I was more interested to see than the main events were on, was on the fight pass prelim card. That's how stacked the card was. That's the point that I was trying to make. Great. Okay. You made it a great point. Next, All right. Really glad, glad, glad I got through. <laughs> I Jesus. think you finally convinced I've, us. I broached the beard. I've made it through. <laughs> yes, because I didn't understand that you were excited about the UFC 200 card. Um, <laughs> but now I do. And will you? Wa- I guess my main point is: Will you watch? Will you eat McDonald's on Wednesday? I, I will watch McDonald's on Wednesday. I will watch Michael McDonald's on Wednesday. <laughs> good. Good. Uh, and Tony Ferguson is fighting Landon Venata. I don't know who that yes. is. Uh, Tim Bosch versus Josh Salmon. That's like an interesting fight. Uh, Louis Smoka versus Ben Wen. Sam Alvey, Smiling Sam versus Eric Spicely. I- I'm excited for that fight, actually. I, I like both those guys a lot. Uh, Eric Spicely is uh, actually a New England guy. Um, and he's a, he's a, Real serious jujitsu player, so uh, be interested to see how he fares against Alvi. Yeah, uh, he's just coming off this previous season of the Ultimate Fighter. Correct. Uh, the lowest rated Ultimate Fighter in history. Uh, not a uh, good season. Not a good season. I it got to the point where I and stopped I've watching it. I stopped watching it. I have. I never. I didn't watch I the last five the episodes. <laughs> I just fast-forwarded to the fights those last few episodes because yeah. I really couldn't care that much about the people. They weren't super interesting to me on the personal level. I thought it would be a little bit actually more interesting because there was light heavyweight men living in the same house as strawweight women. But um, 
It did not turn into the real world where everyone is fucking. Uh, everybody's fucking in the hot tub. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you got some vibes from some people, but um, maybe they're fucking in the sauna while cutting weight. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see if Slimeland Sam throws more than 10 punches in a fight after his last time. Uh, yeah, well, if I, I imagine that Spicely's going to try and take it to the ground. So uh, if if he can get takedowns, he'll be able to stifle those. He won't be able to. Yeah. He won't be able to get past that ten ten punch hurdle. <laughs> right. Well, past the old ten punch hurdle. Here's an interesting thing that I read earlier. Uh, John Jones' manager said that. Uh, him missing this fight cost him an eight-figure purse. So at least $10 million. At least purse? 10- no, 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 no. He wouldn't make $10 million if Brock Lesnar got $2.5 million. Uh, maybe in terms of pay-per-view points and everything all put together. Uh, but $10 million seems... <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, I didn't read the comment said by the manager but strange that he would come up with that because who does that benefit is he going to use that manager says fighter missed out on eight figure payday heavyweight brock lesnar made record 2.5 million in base salary for his fight against mark hunt so okay so not a 10 million dollar purse he said a 10 million dollar payday so so there's that. So there's that to add to the whatever, whatever other shittiness that John Jones has to deal with in the course of all this. He also missed out on uh, life-changing money that would put him in a tax bracket where he would never have to work another day in his life. Um, I, I Overall, the entire weekend, I, I'm very excited with it. I saw a post from somebody... Uh, the night of UFC 200 that was like said something shitty about the fights and I was like what the fuck is wrong with me I, I don't know I, I I guess if you watched you know the Hunt and the the Cormier the Lesnar and the Cormier fights those weren't the most exciting fights um, I don't know I still thought that Lund, uh, the Lesnar Hunt was exciting just because. Hunt can knock you out at any point. Lesnar hadn't been in there in five years. I mean, the second rounds, not a lot happened, but there was a lot of action in the in the first and third rounds, and both won by Lesnar. I thought Hunt won the second rounds just because Lesnar wasn't able to take him down. And yeah, I thought still, that was uh, the turning of the tides. I thought that was where we were going to see. You know, once he once he took that round, I, I was like, all right, well, it's one to one here. Uh, and it looks like the tide's turning for Hunt. So if he can if he can weather that initial one minute storm of the the next round and get past that without getting dumped on his back and having that three hundred pound fucking animal on top of him, uh, then he might be able to he might be able to win this third round if not knock him out. Um, yeah, but he was my pick. Was I, I thought Hunt, I thought Hunt was going to be too heavy handed for him. Lesnar doesn't like to get hit. We've seen it before. We've seen him shy away from punches. He, he's not a fan of being hit. Um, That's please. I hate that. Fucking everyone says that. Nobody is a fan of getting hit. It's not unique to Brock Lesnar. Uh, getting hit in the face sucks. But um, there are people that know how to get hit in the face, and the people that don't. And he doesn't. 
So yeah, but what, so that's the point. That's the point. There yeah, are people. The there point. are people the that fight. That, there are people that fight that have done stand up fighting for ten, fifteen years that understand how to get hit in the face and they know how to evade being hit in the face without turning their back on it and turning their face from it and running away from it, which is what yeah, Lesnar has done. Which do. is what Lesnar has done several times in the past after getting hit. So that's what people are saying when they say he doesn't like to get hit. No, there's that you just said two completely different things. There are people who know how to get hit, and there are people who like to get hit, regardless. Um, Lesnar did not get hit very much in the third round. He was on top of Hunt the whole time, hitting him 137 total strikes. Uh, pretty good. I thought it was an impressive uh, win by Lesnar, and then my internet abruptly cut out, and I wasn't able to watch the main event fight live, unfortunately, uh, which sucks. Uh, it came back on during the replay of seeing uh, Misha tag tapping out after getting demolished by Nunez, which uh, I watched the next day on Fight Pass uh, on public internet at about 7.30 in the morning before going back to work, <laughs> going to work, uh, which was nah, not fun. Also, coincidentally, uh, I'm a 10-game Red Sox season ticket holder, and it hasn't happened for two years, but there's, without fail, one game a year I always forget that I have tickets to until the next day, and I had tickets yesterday and did not go. So, um, so that's your that's your one <laughs> rough weekend. That's my one so far this year. I also this this is the third third time in different amount of tickets. I had tickets to see one of my favorite punk bands that I haven't seen in years. Uh, they they were playing a show on a Sunday night. I forgot I had tickets. Did not go. Uh, I got tickets to see Mike Birbiglia's new movie about improv, which he introduced live at uh, the Kendall Square Theater in Cambridge. Uh, I did not know. I did not go. Damn it. I bought, I You're fucking Johnny Space Shot over here. Uh, you need a, I, you need a I, calendar. You need a, you need a calendar. I have a calendar. I have a calendar. Of course, doing yoga, Nick. Uh, you need to right roll here. that, you need to roll that thing up and put it in your back pocket and carry it around with you, Matt Kona. Hey, did you watch oh, the, no. uh, did you watch the induction ceremony no. yesterday? No, I didn't, I didn't have, um, I didn't have the time. Or I'm protesting the fact that Art Davey wasn't, Inducted. No, mm. I, I didn't watch it, but I know it's on Fight Pass. Uh, I should go back and tune in. There's still fights I haven't seen from this past weekend. I'm slowly trying to go back to. Uh, I'm going to try to watch most of the main card on Wednesday. I have something to do between 7 and 8, perhaps. But, eh, it's a fucking, it's a real bitch sometimes. <laughs> trying to catch up with all these. No, it was good. It it was it was it was real good. Uh, it was really nice to see. Uh, I like the speeches that uh, Pete Williams gave, uh, and um, uh, it was re I was really excited to see Don Fry get inducted. He was such an integral part of the early days of the UFC, and he was one of my really early heroes. Um, you know, I think we talked about it before on the on the. Uh, podcast but i sent him an email like you know 15 years ago and he emailed me back and i was like the was like the biggest thing that ever happened in my life i was like holy fucking shit don fry emailed me back um yeah so it was uh you know it was it, it was bittersweet you see guys like that that are way uh, that they're never gonna fight again he's 51 years old uh, it was good to see Mark. He almost fought, right? No, that was Dan Severn that almost fought. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, it was Dan and Severn that inducted him. Dan Severn, oh, okay. in, Dan Severn is still fighting, and he's in his 50s. 
he does still fight. Uh, and he also does pro wrestling. So I, I don't know what fights are real and what are not. And, but he's still out there doing stuff. He does, Severn does a lot of seminars, but he was the one that inducted Don Fry. That was super awkward. Uh, he, he, you could tell that he wrote what he said and what he said was fucking weird and awkward and it was not delivered well. And it was, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Dan Severn, but it was like, fuck man, you needed to have somebody go over this before you said these words out loud. Cause it was goofy. Uh, it's probably not as bad as I think it is, but when I was watching it, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude, what are you doing? But it's probably not as bad as I think it is if I go back and watch it again. But it was great to see him, Coleman, all those guys, Big Nog, Big Nog inducted, of course, Bob Meyerowitz inducted, of course. Uh, you know, hopefully our Davey's not too far behind and, and also Horian Gracie because he is one of the uh, original people too. So it was the three of them. Myrowitz was the money guy, uh, and it was the three of them that started the UFC. You read the book, so you know it. So they should oh, yeah. all three of them should eventually be put in there, and I'm sure they all will in due time. You know, it's a there was well, only there was only five guys that were inducted this year, and I think it's I don't think it's any more than that normally. So uh, every year that they induct somebody, sometimes I think it's only two people. I think the first year it was just. Uh, Ken Shamrock and, and Hoist Gracie, I think, were the first two inductees. And I think that was those were the only people that were inducted that year. Anyways, it was enjoyable. I watched it. Uh, John Anik hosted it and did a smashing job, uh, per usual. He's very good at what he does. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of John Anik. I think he's, a, I think he's a, good for the sport, and I, I think he seems like a good dude, too, so... Yeah, he's got a six one nine tattoo right now. Uh, no, two oh seven. Two oh seven. That's true. No, no, two oh nine, not two oh seven. Two oh seven is Maine. Two oh seven. He likes lobster too, so he got a two oh seven because he's into. He's really into lobster. He is a New Englander, <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, he'll be commenting on UFC uh, South Dakota this Wednesday. If you're watching the video, I'm not sure if, when you'll be able to put the podcast up. Uh, uh, what do we do? Why don't we pick the top three fights of it at least? My, Michael McDonough versus John Lineker, Landon Varata versus Tony Ferguson. I think we both probably will pick Tony Ferguson. Uh, Tim Boach yep. versus Josh Josh Salmon or Sawin, I think it's pronounced. And uh, uh, I mean, there is a handful of it's guys. Salmon, I, I uh, Salmon, Josh yeah. Salmon. Or Saman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Josh Saman Hunter. was the, uh, the, his last fight was against Tanner McCrory, and he got yeah. uh, toe up from the flow up. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Tim Bosch, Tony Ferguson, John Lineker. Those are my top three. Tim Bosch, Tony Ferguson, John Lineker. Well, I am picking author. Josh oh, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> we will not give this book away to anyone that leaves a review because I haven't finished it yet. But uh, we'll not give it away because no one will go leave a review for us to give it away. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, um, I'll give I, you a car and uh, Kona will give you a car if you go 
give us a review, oh, yeah. but Your nobody's going to give us a review, so we get to keep our cars, so that's fine. Your wife's car. Okay. Um, My wife uh, actually I'll, got a I'll new car. That goddamn okay. car is gone. Thank God. All right. Well, I'll play doubles advocate and uh, pick everyone that you didn't and pick Michael McDonald, Landon Venata, and Josh Salmon. Holy shit. And the top three fights. Venata. Uh, Land- Landon Venata, I, I truly do not think will win, but I just want to... <laughs> uh, have a little I don't know if I'm going to place any bets see I'm, I actually made some some okay money although I placed some silly bets I bet against Gray Maynard just because I thought he was kind of a shadow of him his former self uh, uh, on I, Friday night I picked Gray Maynard on that fight I didn't uh, put any money I've never put any real money in any fights I bet like five or ten well, what, bucks with me, my buddies okay let me ask you what do you what do you consider to be real money because I've only know, ever bucks? bet a you, you ever okay. put a hundred bucks down on a on a fight? That's real money. Yeah. Okay. okay. I know. I know. I know. But, but I'm just asking you, as, as a veteran of uh, poker, big time poker tournaments, who which are way. What do you consider that extra real money? <laughs> because that's uh, typically not in the hundreds. But anyway, this is maybe too much. Um, yeah. Well, I'll I mean, you're bet if you're betting on three fights and uh, in three or four fights on a card, you're putting a hundred bucks on each. You've got four hundred, five hundred bucks rolling on one card. That's that's real money. That's uh, okay. Especially yeah. you know somebody like you or I, where that could pay a good portion of our bills for the month. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I feel pretty so, good about. I don't. I don't know if I feel comfortable putting that much money on Wednesday, but I made okay. I, let's yeah, just say I bet UFC two hundred two, so that was good. Um, like both the UFC two hundred. All right, I tried to limit myself because there was. Sorry. It's all right. I can still hear you. Right. Unlike Michael Bisping with the earpiece falling out of his Hollywood uh, Hollywood, I guess he lives in LA. His cauliflower ears during the. UFC 200 <laughs> post fight. It happened like three times. Him and Dominic Cruz. I wanted to see a compilation of all the times their uh, earpieces fell out. <laughs> done to music. <laughs> yeah, like I'm too sexy da-na-na-na. for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. <laughs> yeah, or something. Or like can't touch this, and it keeps falling out. <laughs> can't touch this. That's better. Yeah. That yeah. Rory McDonald pulled walkout music. Can't touch this. <laughs> Um, That's still one of the uh, best stories uh, ever. What was I saying? God damn it. Um, yeah, UFC 200, I bet on two fights, and I won both of those bets. And oh, that nice. was Jose, Jose Aldo and Brock Lesnar were who I picked. Oh, nice. So, um, that was nice. It was back-to-back, although I really wanted to pick Amanda Nunez, but I, uh, I, I going into it, I, I wanted to limit myself to two bets. Uh I bet three on Friday, and I lost the first two. I also bet on the tough women's division fight against for the underdog, and uh, I just bet eighty dollars because I had some left over. I bet on Eddie Alvarez the night before and won. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Plus two eighty. So that oh, good. that's good. So what did you uh, bet? A hundred. Hundred bucks. Oh, so you yeah. made two eighty. That's good. Yeah, and. Uh, and, yeah, see, yeah. I've never, I've never known. I mean, I've known bookies. I've never placed a bet with a bookie in my life. So that's what I yeah. say when I say real money. Like you have to have some. Mo- you, you're, uh, you're not. It's not just a five dollar handshake with your buddy. Uh, right. You know, you have to have money, and you have to come up with money if uh, you lose. 
<laughs> not like real buddies that you can Where's your buddy where you go like, you. dude, I don't know how many times I've made a bet with my buddy and they never paid me. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, whatever, it's 10 bucks, I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, there's a lot of buddies where I'm like, I'll bet you a million dollars and I actually don't have a million dollars to bet, so. My hey, but if you win one. one. <laughs> You win one yeah, of those. You, hey man, give me a million dollars, you motherfucker, cheap piece of shit. Well, you, uh, well, you, you at least have a million dollars uh, that's owed to you that you can use for bets in future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. <laughs> Very true. So I don't know how much we touched on this far. This super fucking busy weekend, and I don't know how much we touched on the. We amazing- didn't touch on too much, but they were there were title change. I mean, I guess title changes. The lightweight being the most notable. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. And, and then the that UFC, was crazy. even though it happened at the very end, but the the last four bantamweight championships for women have had four different champions: Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, Misha Tate, and now Amanda Nunez right. holding the belt. So and it's about, time, it's a, it's about time for Ronda Rousey to get the fuck back in there and start cleaning this shit up. <laughs> I know, but That's then gotta, earlier in the night. Uh, early in the night, Katzengano in the FS1 headliner got pretty well handled by That's uh, it. Juliana yeah, Pena. Yeah, by Juliana Pena. And so uh, is it going to be a battle as... of Brazilians? Is it going to be Juliana Pena against? Well, Amanda she's Venezuelan. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, the Venezuelan well, uh, vixen. Um, yeah, I, I actually emailed her about doing a, a, a interview, but it was within like. It was when she was already in Las Vegas, and it was probably, I think it was within four days of the fight, so she never got back to me. But uh, hopefully, since uh, since this win, maybe we can, I'll hopefully be able to get it, get a little little snap interview with her. So, uh, people may or may not be hearing this after I'm done talking, uh, or we might do it another time. So... Uh, if the next thing you hear is uh, an advertisement for uh, Team Link hooks it, you'll know that I didn't get the interview. And if the next thing you hear is uh, me going, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Nick David of the Animaniacs podcast here with wait, Julian wait, 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 no. But Never do that. <laughs> if you're cutting to an interview in the middle of the podcast, you don't have to say who you are again. It's already uh, okay. I've done it every time. I go, I go, hello, everybody. Nick Dave here with so and so, so and so, whatever. Like people can't be tuning in in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> specifically, we're not being broadcast. All right. If you walked into the room, I put my hand on my ear like podcast. this, and I'll go back to you, Steve. Yeah, back to you, me. Back to you, me. <laughs> back yeah. to you, me, in the editing room. <laughs> back to me, you. <laughs> you could do that too. Either one works. It's all you. It's all you, Nick. It's all you. All right. Well, the next thing you hear in the video is just us overanalyzing editing decisions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, we need a cut man. Where's the cut man? Cut it out. Well, uh, hey, well, listen. Okay. Have fun tonight hey, at whatever hey. ticketed event that you have forgotten to go to. Oh my god, I, I could have tickets. And the thing is that both times, it, um, I'm trying to think, the freeze one, I think I just stayed in and watched TV because I was very tired. It was a Sunday night after working all week. But the movie, I was out flyering for roast battle, so I was working. And then 
the Red Sox game, I was working my day job mm. after after getting not much sleep because of 200 the night before. Hey, would that so, be a fun uh, thing for a three-year-old? Yeah, that I think they'd have fun. I think so. All right. Yeah, there's many three-year-olds. Uh, Do you go out in the water? Is it something that's just around town? or They go out in the water, and they can drive it, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he's got his captain's license and he's Coast Guard certified. Yeah, yeah, he's three. Old. Fuck, of course. Okay. What, yeah. kind of, what kind of dad do you think I am? <laughs> fucking pilot's license. He's got his dispensary license. He's good to go. <laughs> his dispensary, but it's a Pez dispensary. That's right. He's a Pez yeah. dealer. I love it. Yeah. Well, okay, Nick. Well, I got to run. Um, maybe if we both do watch South Dakota live, we can we can do a little live rack, wrap up. Maybe. Some, I mean. Granted, we're, this is a card that's a hangover effect of a huge weekend of fights, maybe the biggest in UFC's history, the final flame of the Zufa era, and mm. let's see how it all begins under WMA, WME. See if there are any notable there are entertainment group. Are they able to make any influence on the first card after? Who knows? I think it's going to be a transition, but... Uh, that's the most exciting part about this is we'll see what happens. This is a new, it's a new day and we're not sure how it's going to go. We know Dana White will still be there. The fighters will still be there, but what changes? Whatever it is, I hope that the most notable changes are in benefit of the fighters. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I hope they get more money and better benefits and better sponsorship and all that shit. Yeah, well, hey, they've already got colored Reebok shorts, so that's, um, that's, no, I don't know. Okay, I don't want to end on a weird note, but, uh, all right. All right, well, MMA next next time. over and out. Okay, peace. Peace. That's the end. No, we got the MMAniacs podcast brought to you by Team Link of Hookset, New Hampshire. They're located at 1338 Hookset Road in Hookset, and their phone number is 603-641-3444. Their website is www.teamlinkhooksetnh.com. Uh, I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about 20 years, and for the last four years I've been training at Team Link, and it's one of the best schools I've ever trained at. Um, there's a lot of great instructors over there. There's no knuckleheads whatsoever. A lot of people there that are trying to help you get better at whatever it is that you want to study. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, karate, whatever it is that you want to study for martial arts, they've got somebody there to teach you the right way to do it. Uh, so if you go there, you tell them that the MMAniacs podcast sent you. They'll give you a free T-shirt and 30 free days to try out the school. Uh, again, their phone number is 603-641-3444, and their website is teamlinkhooksetnh.com.